the rest of you, if you would take your Bible out or your phone, your Bible app, whatever you got, uh, and turn to Psalm 22. I know, that seems weird, right? <laughs> uh, I, I, my, my, my favorite gospel account, my favorite story of the death and the resurrection and the triumph of Jesus doesn't come from one of the four gospels, although they're awesome. Uh, Paul writes a ton about the resurrection and what it means for us and how it, it, it purchased our salvation. But my absolute favorite gospel story is from the Old Testament, which is weird. The, the early fathers called Psalm 22 the fifth gospel because it is all about Jesus Christ from the beginning to the end. If we were to, if we were to go back to, uh, to, to the cross, go back to Good Friday, we know that as he's hanging on the cross, Jesus uh, says a couple of things. He makes sure that his mom is taken care of. He asks God to forgive uh, the, uh, his uh, persecutors because they don't know what they're doing. One of the last things he says, right before he cries out, it is finished, he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've always struggled with those words. How could Jesus, God incarnate, be saying, God, Father, how, why have you forsaken me? Did, is this what, what happened? Did God the Father forsake God the Son? That doesn't even seem possible. What does this mean? What exactly is it that Jesus is saying here? There, there were those who heard him cry this out and didn't understand what he was saying, right? They, they thought he was calling for Elijah because a lot of the Greek-speaking Roman soldiers didn't understand those Aramaic words. But there were those who did hear and who did understand. He wasn't crying out for Elijah. He was saying, Eloi, Eloi, my God, my God. And this isn't so much a, a cry of despair and hopelessness and defeat as it is a cry of fulfillment. Again, the very next words that Jesus says are, it is finished. When Jesus shouts out these words, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, what he's saying is Psalm 22. I want you to go look at Psalm 22. Go read Psalm 22. Because Jesus, as the perfect rabbi, is continually teaching. Even on the cross, he's teaching. And he knows that that just by, by quoting the first line of Psalm 22, his students will know what they're supposed to do. This is a, a, a Jewish teaching technique known as, as Ramez, where you just you just quote the first part. And a good student is going to know the rest. They're going to be able to fill in the blank. It's a way of of saving time. And so when Jesus cries out the first line of Psalm 22, what he's saying is, I want you to go back there. I want you to read it again. Really, he's saying so much more than just, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and in order for us to really understand what Jesus is saying in those words as he's hanging there on the cross, we got to go and, and read the rest of Psalm 22. And only after we've done that can we really understand what Jesus meant. 
Psalm 22 was, was written by David. Uh, it reflects the suffering uh, of the one who would ultimately come from the line of David, just like God promised. And it's a psalm that's split into to two parts. There's two aspects to it. The, the first part uh, is really all about suffering and pain. And the second part is all about triumph and victory. Let, let's look at it together. We're going to walk through Psalm 22, starting in verse 1. It starts off with that line, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I am not silent. And without a doubt, Jesus felt the weight of sin. I mean, sure, Jesus is God, fully God, but he's also human. And his suffering was real. And his pain was great. And Jesus took all of that for us. Was, was he abandoned by God? Uh, let's keep reading. Verse 3, it says, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In, in you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. Even in the midst of all of his suffering and pain, Jesus recognizes that God is faithful. He always has been. All the way back since the fall, God has been faithful to those who have sought after him. No amount of suffering can change the fact that we can place our trust in God always. Verse 6, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. As Jesus was being crucified, the soldiers mocked him and said, Matthew 27.43, He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Almost the exact words from Psalm 22 come out of the mouths of the soldiers that are putting him to death. Again, from the cross, Jesus is shouting, Psalm 22 is all about me. Keep reading it. Let's keep reading. Verse 9, Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Jesus was born to die. He knew from day one what his mission was. From His miraculous conception by the Holy Spirit to that final hour on the cross, Jesus knew why He was there. He knew that He had come to pay our penalty. He knew that He was going to die so that we all could live. And He, and he knew that God was not far away 
at that moment, but right there present with him. This was all a part of God's divine plan. Look, look at verse 12. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open, their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It's melted with, uh, away within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shard, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They've pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Again, this is a psalm that was written thousands of years before Jesus was crucified on that cross. And yet, it's almost as if somebody is sitting there at the foot of the cross of Jesus recording what's taking place. As Jesus hung on the cross, he's surrounded by dogs, by evil men who've tormented him. This psalm says, they've pierced my hands and my feet. Again, this, this was written hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented as a means of punishment. And yet it describes exactly the kind of, of suffering and death that Jesus is undergoing. Verse 17, it says, I can, I can count all my bones. In other words, I, I'm naked. Verse 18, it says, they cast lots for my clothing. All four Gospels uh, mention Jesus' clothing being divided among the soldiers and them casting lots for it. I mean, can there be any doubt that this psalm is prophetic? Can there be any doubt about God's sovereign plan? It describes in miraculous detail the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross. No wonder Jesus shouted this psalm out with his dying breath because he didn't want us to miss this. He wanted us to see what was happening here. I don't, I don't want us to overlook the, the clear connection. Man, even, even during this immense suffering Jesus is teaching. The only account of Jesus as a child that, that we find in the Bible is uh, when he gets lost, right? When his parents misplace him for a little while, <laughs> wanders off, kids do that sometimes, and they go back to look for him. And where is he? In the temple, teaching. That's, that's what Jesus does. From the cradle to the cross, Jesus taught the Word of God and He lived the Word of God. And like it says in John 1.1, Jesus was the Word of God. The first part of Psalm 22 is all about that suffering that Jesus experienced on the cross. But the psalm is not over. There's more to it. There's, there's more to the story. The last part of this psalm is all about victory and triumph. Let's, let's keep reading. Uh, verse 19, But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. Here's this one final cry to God for help. And again, wh what's next? Is this it? Are we done? Is the story over? Is 
Has God turned a deaf ear to the cries for help? No, of course not. Verse 22, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor Him. Revere Him, all you descendants of Israel. For He has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden His face from Him, but has listened to His cries for help. These very words from Psalm 22 are applied to Jesus over in the book of Hebrews. God has not forgotten Jesus. The work on the cross is completed. And Jesus is risen from the dead. And Jesus will declare righteous all those who call on His name, no matter what, no matter if they're Jew or Gentile. That's the promise that we have. Verse 25, From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise Him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before Him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and He rules over the nations. So just like those first 18 verses in Psalm 22 describe Christ on the cross, these verses perfectly describe why we're gathered here in this place today. Because Jesus is the theme of our praise. Not not just on Easter, uh, but every single day of our lives, Jesus is the theme of our praise. He's the source of our praise in the great assembly. He's the reason why we can rejoice even in the midst of pain. He's the reason why we can sing even when we're suffering. Jesus is the reason why we can find hope even in the midst of death. Because like it says, even though we're poor, we'll eat and be satisfied. Because we know that those who seek the Lord will live forever. All nations and peoples and families will bow down before Jesus Christ because He is the King of kings who rules over all. Verse 29, All the rich of the earth will feast and worship All who go down to the dust will kneel before Him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. uh, uh, Posterity will serve Him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. Philippians 2.10, it says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 31, they will proclaim His righteousness to a people yet unborn, for He has done it. We will proclaim the name of Jesus Christ for generations after generation after generation because Jesus has done it. We are redeemed because He has done it. 
We are a new creation because He has done it. We get to be children of God because He has done it. And we get to live with Him forevermore because He has done it. So when Jesus cries out, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, it isn't a cry of despair or sorrow. It's a cry of victory because He has done it. 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead because He has done it. God, we praise You. We thank You, Lord, for what You have accomplished through Jesus Christ. Thank You that through that suffering and that death and that pain on the cross, there is victory and there is hope and there is life. And we get, dear God, that it's not because of anything that we have done. It's not because of our good works or our goodness. It's not because of what, what we've accomplished. We haven't done anything to deserve Salvation, God, but Jesus, He has done it. He's paid our debt. He's covered over all of our sins. And we get, dear God, just like it says in John 3.16, because You love the world so much, You sent Your only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so, dear God, we believe that Jesus Christ has done it. That He has saved us. We place our faith in Him. And we praise You for this hope and this life that we have through Him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.